You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. I'm convinced that none of us outside of our homes or even on our lives could put out a banner that says, all is well here. We all have things to deal with. We all have things that we struggle with. But I want to say to you, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to have things that you're having to come to grips with because in the midst of those, God is building his character in you. Now, there are a few presuppositions that I want to share with you because they govern the rest of what I have to say. Let me share these, and then we'll share a passage of Scripture. The first is simply this. God loves you as you are and not as you should be. This is a tremendous statement. What it says to me is that God loves me unconditionally, and God will never love me any more than he does right now. I don't have to earn that love. I don't have to go out and do things to get that love. You don't have to do anything to know that God loves you as you are and not as you should be. Now, you may come back at that and say, but you don't know my struggles. You don't know what I've done. You're right. I may not know those things about you, but I know God. And God loves you as you are and not as you should be. It's very important to understand God knows you and he loves you. The second thing that governs what I think is foundational in life is this. God is passionate about you. You're his child. Again, some may say, you don't understand, Paul. You don't know what I think. You don't know what I've done. Sometimes we all get on this kick and we say, man, if you really knew me. Let me ask you, do you know your children? Do you know your teenagers? Do you love them? Sure you do. If your teenager comes home and says, Dad, I made a really stupid mistake today. Would you say, well, get out of the house and never come back? No, you wouldn't say that. Neither does God. God is passionate about you. No matter what you've done or haven't done or where you've been or haven't been, And the third thing you need to know up front is that all of the resources of God are available to you no matter your circumstances or situation. All of his mercy, all of his grace, all of his compassion, healing, help, holiness are available to you in whatever situation. So if I struggle with my marriage or my parents or or my kids, If I don't feel good enough about myself, God wants you to know that all his resources are available to you. A pastor friend of mine told of a time that he was speaking to a group of teenagers, sharing with them about who Jesus is. And one of them approached him afterwards, after the talk, and came up to him and said, I can't give my life to Christ. The pastor said, why not? He said, I've done so many bad things. I really have to get my life together. I've got to be better. 
He continued, he said, I've got to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit doing drugs. Then I can come to God. My friend said, no, that's not true. You give your life to Christ as it is. You don't have to clean up your life in order to come to Jesus. This is what we miss about God. We miss the fact that he loves you as you are and not as you should be. So you can drop all the excuses because he is passionately committed to you. Well, in these three statements, what we have come to understand is how God views us. So let me spend the next few moments about how we view God because I'm convinced that how we view God, what we think of God, has a lot to do with how much we'll trust him. So first, think of a person that you don't know very well. It would be really easy to say, well, I don't know what they think about me. Suppose you think that person doesn't like you. Suppose you think that person is out to get you. Chances are, you're not going to trust that person. You're not going to rely on that person. You're not going to go to that person in a time of need to seek help. It would make for a tremendous insecurity in your life. Have you ever had to wonder where you stand with an employer, especially if you think your fellow employees are out to get you? Some of you have experienced things in your marriage that cause you, as much as you wish it weren't true, to say, I can't trust that person anymore. Let me ask you, how do you see God Are you like Adam? When Adam and Eve disobeyed and God came on the scene, Adam tried to explain it this way. Well, you see what happened, God, is the woman you gave me, she caused me to sin. So it's really the fault lies with you, God. The woman you gave me caused me to sin, therefore you're at fault. There are also many of us No matter what we say in church, deep in our hearts, we think God is out to get us. Look at our situations. If God is all-powerful, if God can do whatever he wants to do, then why am I in this situation? How on earth did this happen? And if we're being honest, we have to take a hard look and wonder, do we really trust him? So when it comes to security in life, We're going to go out there and make things happen on our own. Because when it comes to identity and self-image, we're not going to just leave things to chance. We're not sure that God's going to come through for us. So we're going to take matters into our own hands. We'll still go to church. We'll still serve God. But we know what it takes to get ahead in this world And so we'll work 18 hours a day and neglect our family because I've got to feel good about myself. And whether you believe it or not, when you live that way, you are playing right into the hands of the devil and don't think he doesn't exist. The scriptures we rely upon assure us that he exists 
And he has a plan for you. And that plan is very simple. To get you to not trust God. And he will have you believe the wrong view of God. He'll want you to think things about God that aren't true. Things like, if I don't read my Bible, God won't love me. Or if I'm a missionary in a foreign country, God will love me more than if I'm an attorney. Actually, that part may be true. (laughs) This is what the devil would say. I want to get these people not to believe deep in their hearts that they can trust God. Well, that brings us to today's passage. I want to look first at the very end of Matthew chapter 3. Jesus has just been baptized. He's coming up out of the water, and he hears the voice of God saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. By implication, God says the same thing to you and me in our baptism. He says, you are my chosen. You are my beloved. I might not like everything that you do. That's what he says to us, not to Jesus. But I want you to know that I delight in you. That's what Jesus heard his father say. You are special. You are chosen. You are mine. That's a tremendous thing to hear from our heavenly father. Let me say something to us parents. Let your kids know that you love them as they are and not as they should be. Love them more when they don't score the goal. Love them more when they strike out. When was the last time you just simply wrapped your arms around them and said, I love you? Jesus heard that from his father. And now let's step into Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, the temptations that the devil is going to put to Jesus are three separate ones, but they all combine to make up this one real test. In the difficult circumstances of his life, will Jesus rely and trust on God or will he give in? Now, we know the answer. Let's look. The first test. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, that is Jesus, was hungry. I don't know about you. I really enjoy fasting in between meals. (laughs) I can't fast 40 hours, much less 40 days. Tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Look at the first word out of the devil's mouth to Jesus if. Notice if. What had Jesus been told just three verses earlier? You are my beloved Son. What's the first thing that the devil tries to do to Jesus? Cast doubt. You try to do something good for the Lord, and all of a sudden the devil wants to attack that. If you're really a Christian, and he creates that doubt. He says to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. Here's what the devil is really saying. God is not 
kind. Because if God were kind, you wouldn't be hungry. If God were kind, you wouldn't be in this situation. But God is unkind, and because he is, you've got to take matters into your own hands and turn these stones into bread. Have you ever looked at a situation you're in and thought, I should not have been led into this situation. I'm a Christian. God, how could this happen? The devil wants us to think that God is unkind. Listen to what Jesus says. He answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. And what he's saying is, I'd rather be hungry than to live without my God. So the devil moves to the next test. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Again, this, this, is, this is Satan quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What's the devil implying here? That what the Lord says is unreal. Adam and Eve, did the Lord really say that you would die if you ate from that tree? You're not going to die. When we understand God to say, I love you, as you are, not as you should be. Do we think that's unreal? Because if you want to be successful in this life, if you want to live life to the fullest, God says, spend some time with me every day. We say, Lord, I don't need that. So we don't do it. God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we say, that's not real. It's more blessed to keep. So that's what we do. We act as if what God says is unreal because the devil wants us to think it's not more blessed to give, it's more blessed to get. So we have a lot of people who live life as if what God says is untrue. Let me speak to us fathers in the room. There are fathers who don't spend time with their kids. Do you know that the average father spends 13 seconds of uninterrupted time with their child at any given moment? But God would have us share with our kids, walk with them, teach them. And you're saying, that's unreal. I'm too busy. The scriptures teach over and over to encourage and build one another up, especially in our families. Because if I don't spend time with my wife, my children, my, my grandchildren, there will be relational consequences and I'm playing right into the hands of Satan. And I won't even know the extent of it because he will keep me from knowing just what I'm doing. Well, Jesus counters this second temptation with another quote from Deuteronomy. He says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus is saying, let me tell you something, Satan. 
what God says is true, and don't you test it. Now the third test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. The devil says it's all yours. All you have to do is worship me. And for Jesus to respond to that, realize he knew the way he had to go. Jesus knew he had to go the way of the cross. He knew that he had to be beaten, have thorns jammed into his head, be nailed to a cross, and die on that cross. Here's what the devil is saying. Why do that? That's unjust. Do it my way. Just take a shortcut. You and I are faced with that all the time. We see the road of integrity. We see what is ethically and morally right. But why not take the shortcut? So look at what the devil is doing in all of this. God is unkind. His rules are unreal. And the road that he asks us to walk is unjust. So why not just take some shortcuts? And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. One final thought. To the devil's three tests, Jesus quotes three different verses from Deuteronomy, but Jesus is made to do that in reverse order, chronologically. He begins with Deuteronomy 8.3, then it's Deuteronomy 6.16, and then Deuteronomy 6.13. Why? Because the devil inverts the order. He's always trying to change things around. The devil makes the order. Here's how he makes the priority. Bread, trust, worship. But you and I know the proper order is worship, then trust, then bread. You see, what the devil is trying to do is to get Jesus to think the wrong way about God. And if he'll do that to Jesus, you better believe he'll go after us. Why invert the order? Because he wants you first and foremost to think about yourself. God, on the other hand, wants us to have the right view of him. And what is that? That God is compassionate, holy, and that he loves you as you are. And what he's asking of your life isn't unfair. He's wanting to build his character in you. You can trust him. God is good. I want to invite you to reflect just for a few moments If you can kind of do an introspection, take a look at some of the areas of your life where you've been living with the wrong view of God. You're mad at Him about something. You've had such hopes of that marriage or that child or that career, 
can you still say, God, I know you're good. You haven't left me. Maybe some of you are living as if God is unreal. You're not working hard on your relationship with your children. You've, you've forgotten about praying for your spouse. And yet, those are the areas of the deepest hurts in your life. Or maybe you're thinking about a shortcut you've taken. And you're ready to say, Lord, I want to do it your way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so great, so good, and so powerful. May our view of you be that of a compassionate, loving God who is on our side, who walks with us and stands by us, a God who loves us as we are and not as we should be. And may that define our view of you so we may always come home to you. No matter how negligent we've been, how wrong we've been, we can always come home to you and you'll wrap your arms around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. We pray this prayer and the prayer he taught saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.